Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Three Things Podcast. I'm super pumped this week to have on, or have had on rather, a buddy of mine and Vermont-based strength coach, Kevin Guild. You will find, I believe it's in the interview, I mispronounced Kevin's name from the start, completely throws me off. Um, and actually recently, I did tell him this, recently my Siri on my phone pronounced it Kevin Guild. So it's Guild. he corrects me. Um, I'm super pumped to have Kevin on the podcast. We met a few years ago, gosh, it was probably almost four years ago now, at a Parisi Summit in Arizona. We hit it off big time. We were the boys from New England. And uh, shortly after, Kevin actually moved back to the native land of Vermont. And we've been in touch ever since. And Kevin's a guy that I really look up to in the industry. Um, He's worked in professional baseball for a long time. He's coached Gen Pop individuals as well as youth athletes. He's a dude that just does it really well. And in Vermont, strength conditioning um, is a really close-knit community. So I'm really excited to have had Kevin on and uh, just have this awesome conversation conversation with him so on the other side of the music you'll hear the man kevin guild and me but mostly kevin and i hope you guys enjoy this episode rusty i haven't done one of these post our gym reopening like i've recorded a dozen of podcasts in like a week in april i've been kind of milking those and dropping those but uh kevin gill the first pod post reopening for me so uh well welcome. you are rusty because my, my my last name is guiled it's a long no hour. no oh yeah it's guiled oh, yeah. you're rusty man you're rusty i've never known that i don't think you've ever corrected me on that maybe i've never had to say your last name to you g-u-i-l-d <laughs> Yeah, spelled like guild. Say it like guild. So, okay, so I'm not completely insane. It's It looks like guild, the restaurant totally. here in, in South Burlington, which is phenomenal, by the way. Fine but establishment. It's, it's guiled. It's guiled. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. No discounts, I think, because of the, the pronunciation differences. Wow, fuck me. I guess the first person I butchered their name on, on the podcast. Fuck. <laughs> Off to a great start. <laughs> well, you got the big time coaches. I'm, I'm doing the young damn. guy. God damn. Well, let's start. I always start with this with, with the pod. Give people a little background, who you are, proper name pronunciation encouraged, uh, what you do, where you do it, kind of how you got to where you're doing it. And uh, we'll, we'll start there. We'll riff, we'll riff off that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, I'll use the, I'll use the Instagram term. Uh, I, I define myself as a coach. Uh, I've done it in a, in a bunch of different areas. I've worked in Parisi. Uh, I've worked in personal training, doing the one-on-ones, uh, I've done group fitness. I've worked in corporate wellness with the Genovix program at the edge at uh, actually at your place doing lipid profiles. Uh, I've worked in professional baseball uh, as, a, as a minor league strength and conditioning coach with the Oakland A's. So part of their player development staff. Well, that's my most recent role last two, three years. Um, you know, kind of, kind of done a bunch of different things, but at the end of the day, I define myself as a coach. Uh, I'm also a licensed real estate agent. Uh, I remember Mike Boyle talking about uh, uh, young coaches getting into the industry and always having a, a backup plan or something to do in your in your off hours while you're trying to fill a fill a schedule. Uh, so I, I remember when I first got into personal training here locally in Vermont, uh, I wanted that backup plan, so I went and got my real estate license and, wow. and did that for a while as well. 
Uh, I know Boyle was always talking about the, the bartending or your barista or something like that and have the, uh, you know, more locked in hours. But I, I, I guess I've always liked the entrepreneurial grind in that yeah. regard. Um, but yeah, I, I went to college in New Hampshire at Keene State College, uh, lived down there for a few years. Uh, now I live here locally in, in Vermont with my girlfriend, Jess, uh, Jessica. Nice, dude. Well, welcome to Vermont again. Um, I feel like you're a Vermonter though. Like you're, you went to school, you grew up in Vermont, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, my family, third, fourth generation. Oh yeah. God, I can't wait to just pick your brain in a speed run about how shitty New Hampshire is compared to Vermont, but, uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Shout out PJ Strebel. Um, just huge Vermont versus New Hampshire debate forever. Uh, we're just going to formally call him out on the pod and let him know he should come back on. But, um, <laughs> That's legit, man. Well, uh, as people know, they're tuning in because they saw Kevin Giles. Let me make sure I say it right. Kevin Giles' handsome mug on the on the cover here. Uh, three things Kevin doesn't know. Hell, hell, if I even know. But three things uh, that Kevin doesn't know. We're going to have a conversation about these points. So, Kevin, however you're going to answer these questions is totally what I'm looking for. There's no set right wrong. The idea behind it is we want candid conversations. We don't want people to sit on the fence and say, "I'm taking this stance and I'm going to be." I'm all in on this and that sucks. Like there's plenty of shitty podcasts. You can go listen to pe- people rant about their opinions and beliefs and things like that. But this is an authentic conversation. We're just going to riff two strength coaches chilling on a Thursday afternoon through zoom. And uh, we're going to go with that. Then we're going to finish with a speed round, which is super degenerate. Like the whole point we're here, I'm just going to do a podcast called the speed round. They're going to be like 15 minutes, no context of the person. We're just going to ask random ass questions. It's going to be electric. That'll be something. Oh, love- That's my retirement project. Great idea. It's my retirement project. Um, Kevin Giles, you ready for the first thing? I'll brace myself. So I'm going to get just in my chair because I feel like, and I'm, I, you know, I'm not a big speaking generalist terms, but I feel every personal trainer, every strength coach goes through the phase where they want to work in professional sports. Like I distinctly remember myself, a lot of my colleagues at SUNY Plattsburgh in the fitness center. What are you going to do after you graduate? Oh, I'm going to go to a division one school. I'm going to work as a GA. I'm going to work. I'm going to go D one athletics. I'm going to be a D one strength coach. And then I'm going to get an opportunity to coach in the pros at any level. Right? Like I remember even like three years ago telling friends, like the only thing I would ever do to leave my job would be go to pro sports, just to go to pro sports. And I feel like we, we say that like strength coaches, young strength coaches, they say that you've done it. Talk to me about some misconceptions of pro sports, not even like the actions itself, but like, and, and even if you can, and maybe it's not a misconception, but like, how do you get, like, how do you get the opportunity to knock on the pro sports level, like how, to get there? And even once like, we'll talk a lot of pro sports right now. I don't okay, even know what the question is on that. I'm rusty. I told you I'm rusty. Normally I consider That's myself tough. Oprah level <laughs> interviewer on the three things you're getting like Maury, like Jerry, <laughs> not even Jerry Springer's man, like Maury, no disrespect to Maury, but like you're getting I'm ring so, the bell. I'm just sorry. ring the bell. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, it's an open-ended question, but it, it, it's funny. Uh, right before I came on here, I was actually talking with somebody just training downstairs and at work here. And, um, <laughs> so I was, I was like, what are these three questions going to be? And, and this actually fell into one of them, uh, that she was talking about, uh, the, there aren't a ton of misconceptions about, professional sports unless it's unless it's people who just you know have zero background or zero interest or you know that kind of thing but in in terms of from a strength and conditioning coach perspective uh i think the only misconceptions would be that uh it's more complicated uh in in professional sports uh and actually seeing both sides of 
you know, seeing the personal training industry and health and fitness, and then also being on the, on the professional side and working with professional level athletes, uh, the rules are the same. Uh, the, the tools and the methods are in a lot of cases the same. Uh, so probably the biggest misconception is that you're, you know, you're blowing through progressions, you know, you're, it's the same, same principles, you know, it's, it's progressing athletes. Uh, same thing that you do at Parisi, you know, with, with, with younger folks too, you know, you talk about long-term athletic development. Uh, when you, when you get into pro sports, specifically pro baseball, uh, you've got anybody from a 16 year old Latin American baseball player who's, you know, just got signed all the way up to, you know, a, a 20 plus year, you know, veteran of the major leagues. And, and obviously the needs are different. Uh, and, and to be honest, the goals are different as well. Uh, but again, the tools and the methods are the same. So understanding just the fundamentals and the principles of strength and conditioning, they, they don't change regardless of, of what sector you're in. I totally believe that, man. Like that's, that's a really good answer. And, and I have a follow-up question on this because you see, because we work with athletes and, and they're always like, you know, I want to play professional baseball, says the nine-year-old who walks into Parisi. And you've seen the professional baseball players. How, how many athletes do you look at and you just go, oof, your long-term athletic development wasn't there physically. Like, yes, you may have the tangible skills. You might be able to heave a baseball 95 miles an hour, which is a very unique skill in itself. But you watch them do a skip and you're like, oh boy. Uh, or you watch them do like a, any basic movement pattern and, and you're concerned for their safety, but they get on the mound, they do their sports skill and you're like, ooh, you're, you're so elegant. Like that baseball, like it f- snaps off your hands. It's unreal. Um, like from an observation coach's eye, like what, what does it look like athletically? Like, you know, as far as strength conditioning, like general movements, things like that. Are you, are you impressed with movers? Are you not impressed with the movers? Like what's it kind of look like for you? Uh, that's an, that's an interesting question. Uh, I'm the, knocking the rust off, dude. I'm knocking the rust off. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's trending. Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. I would say, I, I actually just heard a pretty good quote that I, I think I agree with. Uh, the old adage and the old cliche of, of champions, uh, they're not born, they're made. Uh, and a guy was making a point, I think it was on a, it was on a recent podcast I was listening to. He goes, he goes, champions are born, uh, but they, they generally can be unmade. Uh, and, and I think that really plays to maybe high level athletes or, or, or even just long-term athletic development in general. There's a lot of folks who are born with a lot of skills, uh, and, and the base skill set that the prerequisites to be a professional level athlete and what they do with those prerequisites, uh, really determine their career obviously. Uh, so I think to, I guess, to boil down the question of whether to be impressed or not impressed with movement patterns, I will say it's a, it's a wide array. Uh, there's, there's some guys who are, are so skill specific. They're so good at their sport and, and their training age and say a weight room is, you know, near zero. Uh, so obviously those athletes aren't going to move as well in the, you know, squat hinge lunge area, but they're a high level athlete on say a baseball field. Uh, so to be from if we're in FS, you know, you're doing the seven tests or whatever it is, uh, there's certainly some that are, are very unimpressive, uh, for sure. I, I remember I actually, I actually heard something about LeBron James potentially having a, a very poor FMS score, which would, I guess, make sense theoretically. But, uh, there are certainly a lot of professional level athletes that fall into that category that maybe don't move as well in a weight room. But the, as the old adage says, you I've never seen a baseball player get paid for what he can do in the, in the weight room. Yeah. That's, you know, that's everyone. Even if you're 16, like, exactly. you know, yeah. like your squat weight 
or your squat pattern might not necessarily dictate how many goals you're going to score or how, you know, it's just, that's doesn't, it's not a one-to-one correlation. Like it's, you can dunk and not be able to squat a barbell. That's, it's just the way it is. I, I totally agree with like LeBron James may be the worst mover ever. And if you walk, watch his, like, I think of like Zion and if you've ever seen, even seen like LeBron walk, you're like, Oh, ooh, like that's an interesting looking stride. But the dude is a complete freak, a complete freak at his size, weight, velocity. Like it's, it's unreal what he can do. Uh, I totally can, totally can agree with those, those observations on your end. Talk to me a little bit about this, like the staff, because obviously pro sports players are business assets. Like that's what they're, they're contractors for the team, whatever, however they're, they're itemized or, or whatever, which is kind of weird to like make them seem like objects. But um, sometimes in pro sports, especially baseball, it's kind of the vibe that at least the media can portray. Um, shout out to the baseball negotiations as their season starts to reopen here. Um, but you, you mentioned like player development staff, like what, it, who are other elements uh, of that staff and what's it look like working with that staff and then compare it a little bit to working with the staff over a concept. Like I'm sure there's some similarities and I'm sure there's some key differences as far as your role and, and how many hats you may wear and the communication tactics, but give me a little bit of compare and contrast between a pro sports staff. And then um, just like a typical staff that you may work at in the private fitness area, um, which you obviously are well-versed in as well. Yeah, I would say from, from a staffing perspective, this, this reminds me of a conversation I had recently, uh, actually here at Concept with Lucas. Um, you know, the, the years I've spent in professional baseball, the staff around me, there's, there's some impressive minds in, in professional level sports. There's, it's, and it's not to say all the best. I, I always hate the hierarchy of, of coaching, you know, where if you're coaching at the professional level, you must be a higher level coach than if you're coaching at the high school level and, you know, college and vice versa, whatever. Uh, that's not true. You know, I've, I've, I've certainly met some professional level coaches that don't hold a candle to some high school coaches that I've met. Um, but for the most part, and the blessing I had being, uh, you know, with, with the Oakland A's over the last few years has been being around minds that are, that are quite simply more educated and, and, and more experienced than mine. So I've, I've spent a lot of time doing a lot of yes sirs uh, and, and a lot of listening. Uh, and, and I think, Obviously, the difference here with Concept, Concept is a, is a fairly young gym, and we're just going into year three here. Um, more of a leadership role here and trying to develop young coaches uh, kind of from the other side uh, and taking some of the things that I've learned from the great minds that have been around in, in, in baseball, shout out AJ Seeliger, uh, to, to, to try to bring it into the private sector. So maybe my own personal role has been different, but from a staff perspective, um, there's more, there's more similarities and differences simply because it's a, it's a lot of growth minded, you know, and you could just say it's the same thing about all strength coaches or personal trainers. Most personal trainers and strength coaches are always seeking personal development. They're always reading, you know, all the, all the self-help books are they? and things like that. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. You know. I feel like, I feel like you probably, and, and you're one of those people, like you're a growth minded individual. Uh, I would classify myself in the same category, but I feel like maybe that's you just attract people like that. Maybe, you know, like you're, you're a pro, like you, you vet the people who you put in your inner circle and say, okay, like this person is, is, is someone I can learn from. Whereas I think we can probably name a few names of people that you're like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I'm not really like jiving with that attitude or their thought process or, or whatever it may be. Um, 
you know, whether it's in, in like even the Parisi, I've gone to plenty of Parisi gyms and I've seen people that are like, well, you know what? I like to train athletes this way. I'm like, yeah, well, that's not how we train athletes here. You know, or like, why, why do you like that? Like, well, I, I saw this and that's like, well, okay. So because you saw one video and you didn't know any of the actual research behind it, that's what you're going to do. Cause it looks cool in an eyeball test. All right. Yeah. I'm totally going to buy that. You know, it's not, it's not it, but um, I, I totally just interrupted your conversation. I want to apologize for that. It's messed up. It's messed up. It's messed up. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you certainly make some great points. And, and uh, maybe that's a fault of mine, but to be perfectly honest, I, I don't really spend a lot of time uh, interacting with, with folks who, who maybe don't fall into a growth mindset or, or even just a, a positive or optimistic yeah. thinker. You know, it's uh, obviously surround yourself. Well, why would you spend time with those people, right? But, like, why would you? What, yeah, yeah, so you're, you're not going the, to. The, another thing about, I mean, being with the A's too, um, there's obviously a lot of disparity team to team. Uh, and uh, there's, there's a lot of different methods and there's a lot of different, I mean, the philosophy is kind of the buzzword in health and fitness. So there's a lot of different philosophies uh, at, the, at the pro level and really any level. Um, so I, I would say, an, I think another positive uh, of being, uh, having the experience in, in, at the professional setting is being around so many different philosophies. And, uh, and, and I know just in, I don't have a ton of experience in the personal training sector. I, I, you're giving me way too much credit, but uh, the experience that I do have, uh, it it is pretty easy to get pigeonholed into a philosophy uh, in the personal training industry. At least I've found it pretty easy to get pigeonholed into my own philosophy or the philosophies you know directly next to me. Uh, and in, in baseball, I've uh, you know you're constantly being forced to open up to a new philosophy, whether it's from the opposing strength coach or another strength coach within your system. So that, that could be another major difference. That's really interesting. Cause I would have guessed is the opposite, you know, like, Hey, we train our pitchers this way. We train our position players this way. Whereas in, in personal training land, like if you're working in a gen pop gym and you've got the 50 year old mom of three that comes in, you got the 27 year old mom of one, the dad that works, uh, you know, in travels, or you've got the single 25 year old dude that comes in. Like, I feel like there's so many different types of people. Whereas in pro sports, you have people who are very, I mean, yeah, they may move differently, but the end goal is similar. If you got 12 pitchers over here, you got 20 position players over here. They're kind of the same, like the same outcomes or the same key results, but with a gen pop person, like it's, it's all different, but I'm surprised. It's that. A, well, I'm surprised that, I mean, can you, can you shed a little bit more light on that? How like, uh, yeah, like for pro sports, different, different philosophies may come up because of the personalities and the, the, the number of coaches that are contributing to a staff. Like, have you noticed, is that part of it versus like a, a personal training studio where maybe it is a smaller staff and people have kind of more like, I'll say like traditional educations that maybe they don't vary a lot. What do you think? Well, I think back to, I think back to, to college, even when, uh, uh, right before right before we graduate, you know, they're, they're saying, hey, the first thing you got to figure out as a, as a coach or a trainer or whatever it's going to be is, is going to be your philosophy, your training philosophy. And wherever you go, you know, that's that's the thing that you hold true to yourself. And, you know, it'll change as you go. But that's that's your individuality within you know the industry. Um, in in baseball, if you're talking a staff, uh, what a player sees, the philosophy has to be the same. Obviously, because you're, you're going to you're going to you'll, you'll baffle the guy, you know, if you're coming at him from different angles, but there's a lot of power to taking a bunch of different philosophies and being able to have conversations about them to come up with that one overarching, whether it's a program philosophy or what you're actually administering to the player. 
Uh, but certainly, I mean, strength coaches in baseball come from all walks of life, different geographical regions, uh, different economic backgrounds, different professional backgrounds. Uh, so the philosophies are different, coach to coach. Uh, and the, the challenge that a lot of teams have, and we, we had a lot of success with, with the A's, obviously it was something we focused a lot on, was trying to unify a strategy. Um, you can have differing philosophies as long as the principles that you're applying uh, are, are similar or at least agreed upon. So that, and, and maybe, in the, maybe in the training center at the gym, uh, you can kind of get away with your own philosophy, you know, and you can have your own thing because it's only your own clients. You know, so... Uh, yeah, I tried to expand. I really like. I really like that answer you said. I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle here. How you can have a lot of different, like it's like the one plus one equals three method, uh, and how you can have a bunch of different philosophies coming together to create one output um, that's probably superior than that your own. You know, and I really like that the way you phrased it. I probably just butchered it, but people should go back. They should like the thirty second back button like twice and just listen to what Kevin just said because. I think that if any, everyone had that attitude, regardless of industry, like regardless of even if it's, if you're a person listening to this and you don't work in sports performance or health and fitness and you're an accountant, you know, like that's, that's the kind of philosophy that if you brought to the workplace, like every industry gets better instantly. Every person probably gets better too. That's good stuff. Kevin Guild, the dude, the guy coming in. Uh, we're going to flip hard 180 here. Hard 180. When you're coaching, I don't care who it is, how much, give me the, give me the pie chart. Give me the breakdown of things you coach examples, movement, nutrition, recovery, behavior, like mindset. I I hate the phrase mindset because it's, it's so broad, but like talk to me about like what topics you find yourself coaching in a session with a person. I don't care if it's a pro athlete, if it's a mom at concept, like whatever it is, like talk to me about what you find yourself doing in a session. Wow. That's a, that's a good question as well. Oh, um, bruh. <laughs> I'd say it's, I'd say it's different uh, from, from personal training to, to baseball uh, in, in terms of the application of it. I mean, in baseball you have, you have an athletic medicine, you know, your, your athletic trainers on the, on the other side of the wall and, um, that you're working hand in hand with. Um, there's nutritionists and sport, you know, registered dietitians, you know, that can talk about nutrition with players and you got your sports psychologists and you, know, you kind of have and a lot of gyms, I think are going for this. It's kind of like that, you know, one-stop shop, you know, we have a professional in, in every lane, that kind of thing. And um, in baseball, I think it's, it's more of that where you, you're the, the coaching that I'm doing is, is, you know, movement quality, um, patience, you know, understanding training adaptation and, and timelines uh, and understanding how to take care of your body on a, on a day-to-day basis from a physicality standpoint. Uh, I think in personal training, the, the way the conversation shifts, um, I, I, I would say is that it's a little, it's a little broader. Um, generally, and again, speaking generally, high-level athletes have at least some prerequisite level of nutrition. Uh, not saying that high level athletes don't eat great because they don't, um, but they generally have prerequisite uh, level of, of uh, lifestyle habits that got them to the level that they are. Uh, in the personal training sector, there's, there's a lot of folks who are starting really at block zero ground one. Uh, so I, I would say a lot of my coaching in personal training is more lifestyle based. And a lot of my coaching in baseball is, is certainly more specific to the actual training going on at hand. I would say. Nice. 
and how how well do you think college prepared you for that? LOL, LOL. Because you're you're Keen State, like you said, right? Like X Phys. I, I was an exercise science guy. Yeah, when yeah. I was a bio. Like it's, uh, I love having these conversations with people. I was a business major. Like you talk about polar opposites. Like I was like ground zero, like anatomy and everything like that. But it's so, I just always find it so funny how we'll, we'll learn something in school or in theory, you know, or, or even in continuing education, like you learn theory, but then when you get to the actual application of it, you're like, wow, I actually need this whole other array of skills to actually be able to apply these these actual things that I, I learned. <laughs> you're like, uh, it's like you learn the end result, but you don't learn, you know, you learn, you know, point A, you know, point C, but you need to relearn point B to actually get you to use what you, you know, what you know in your base level of knowledge. I always find it fascinating. Um, well, I'd say, I'd say uh, and it was, is that, uh, I want to answer that question, to be honest. Are you talking about, no. you know, did college prepare you? Maybe, keep talking. Because um, that's, that's kind of, that's a constant conversation I have with, with a lot of coaches. And, um, Keene State is, is a small state college in New Hampshire. Uh, Vermont's lesser half. Well, New Hampshire. To TBD on that one. Well, uh, we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> as a fourth generation Vermonter. Uh, <laughs> so obviously they're, you know, strapped budget. Um, the, the opportunities there, you know, certainly aren't, you know, comparable to, to other university, you know, high level universities and things like that. Um, but to be honest, the, the curriculum is probably pretty similar. You know, you go through your anatomy and physiology, you go through kinesiology, you go through your physics and, and you learn all the basics. And like you're saying, you learn the nuts and bolts and the X's and O's, and then you're kind of thrown out there and, and you know, it's sink or swim time in the, in the industry. And you find out that, you know, you, you, you might have a lot of tools, you just have no idea how to use them. Um, in my personal case, and I believe strongly in this with, uh, uh, I know Gladwell with Outliers, mm -hmm. where, he, where he talks about people's upbringing uh, and, uh, David Epstein, 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 uh, did some good ones with range. And, uh, I think it's the sports gene is the other one, mm -hmm. uh, just talking about people having different backgrounds and, and different upbringings and, and different experiences that really shape the, you know, who they become. And in my case, in my college experience, I did have the exact same anatomy and physiology and kinesiology and whatever. Uh, but in my junior fire, uh, at a local gym, uh, and we treated it as a quote unquote internship where I basically went and was the one personal trainer on staff for a lo local gym. And it was sink or swim time where I had to justify all of my decisions in a professional setting uh, where I'm getting paid uh, prior to, uh, you know, the whole prior to educate uh, the, the senior year education or the uh, coaching practicum. I don't know what they call them for senior year or seniors or whatever, uh, but it was sink or swim time. And uh, between that and then also being able to intern over at the, at a local high school and being a strength coach, a bona fide, you know, I call myself a bona fide strength coach at that high school uh, and having that boots on the ground experience while still in college uh, really helped accelerate my career. I know you, you alluded earlier to how you get into pro sports. Uh, you need some breaks uh, and you need to, to push the envelope a little bit and, and find a way to get ahead. Uh, and in, in my case, I was pretty lucky in college that some of the professors there really opened me up to what being a professional looks like uh, before I had to you know, graduate and go figure it out. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I wish any student listening to this is pulling that nugget out of, Hey, your professors are more than just people who hand you a textbook and read from it. You know, they're, they're professionals that probably have, whether it be connections, but they're professionals that can, can help you with the professional side of, of your industry. Like we learn the curriculum, but 
the application of that is is probably more important than the curriculum itself because if you can't apply it if you can't figure out how to convey it then what are you doing <laughs> kevin guiled with a nugget dude dude you've dropped some serious nuggets here like i don't think you you know i, I don't think you really realize or appreciate the nuggets you're dropping it's huge <laughs> i'll do my best over here dude, dude thriving um that's the three things like you survived like what did it live up to the expectation yeah i would say that was a good I, conversation I mean, it's, they're short, like it's like three things. Like it's not like the whole, it's not like, Oh, we're going to talk for like an hour. It's not a long form pod. It, and then we get to the, the bread and butter of the three things podcast. It's a speed round. Are you ready? Let's do this. Not a speed round question, but do you curse? Like, are you a guy who will like, are you going to, you ever curse like at all? <laughs> I guess I, you were very like, reserved, but very articulate. I'm like, listen, I'm like, Oh man, like Kevin, Kevin's, he's not going to, he's not going to drop a fuck bomb on this or anything. <laughs> I, I certainly do. Uh, I swear quite a bit. Yes. Wow. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I swear like a sailor, uh, but I you know, there's, like there's a sailor. certainly a time and place. Yeah. I mean, here, yeah. yeah that's, uh, I, I always think of the George Carlin there where he's got the, it was at the seven words you can't say on TV. And awesome. I go, have, have you heard those? I haven't. No, but please tell I'm me. I'm not going to, I want you to uh, say Well, them. no, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to say them because you can't say them on, on, on TV. You just can't do it. <laughs> I love that. I, I highly recommend looking it up. It's funny as hell. When we were close <laughs> and I was working from home, coaching everything like virtual and stuff, I developed the worst potty mouth. The worst. <laughs> and I'm normally pretty good. Like at work, like I can keep it, I can rein it in. But I developed such a bad potty mouth. When I got when I got back into the actual facility, I, I was like, oh, I had to like apologize to like uh, some of the other coaches. And I was like, yeah, I just, I need you guys to like slap me on the wrist, literally slap me on the wrist whenever I say anything that's not, not appropriate for work. Just hit me. <laughs> I need that reminder I, right now because I, it went when you're closed, it went. I think I've internalized the whole, the whole idea. I think it was actually a Cressyism we talked about in being a leader of the field where he talked about, uh, it was something like you, you wait for the person you're talking to to swear. And then it's like a green light. You know, yeah. You're, you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so maybe, maybe that's it. And then you just fall down, you know, you just jump off the cliff and, and have, have a day it. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I will openly tell people this, this is a, I put the explicit on uh, this podcast and I feel bad for people who listen to it in the car with kids. Like I, I get, you, <laughs> I get you. I understand now I have an almost two year old that uh, is a little parrot in the back seat. So I, I have to be very selective on what I play in the car because she hears it and she repeats it. So uh, apologies to any parent that's listened to this with a kid in the car. That's on me. It's on me. <laughs> so the speed round, Kevin, are you ready? Yes, okay. sir. Okay. This is the best. I love the speed round so much. It gets me so hyped up. Your favorite creamy <laughs> flavor? Uh, I'd say uh, black raspberry uh, mixed with maple. Whoa. Yep. Wow. Never had that twist combo. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can see it at your local Al's. Uh, you can also go down the street down to, down to Williamstown. That's good time too. At your local owls. And anyone not from Vermont <laughs> does not understand the word creamy or owls. So uh, nobody gets it, but it's a great yeah, time. that's fine. It's a Vermont, it's a Vermont thing. Um, <laughs> give me one area why New Hampshire is better than Vermont. And it's okay for you to say it's not because we all know it's not. <laughs> what one area where New Yeah, New like give me where New Hampshire is better than Vermont in this one area. Where what is it? I mean, the lowest hanging fruit there, you have to say, is the whole no, sale, no sales tax thing. I mean, that's, that's probably the easiest thing to say. I thought you were going to go because uh, it touches the ocean. I thought you were going to get like the ocean in there, but the no sales tax is I'm not a big Eastern legit. New Hampshire guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I, like Portsmouth. I, I don't know. There's something different about New Hampshire ocean. That's just, it, it doesn't blow my hair back, wow. but uh, I, I, I would, I mean, no sales tax is significant. Uh, and then also that's it. I'm a fourth generation Vermonter. I love Vermont. That's, that's awesome. I love that. That was awesome. You and I ended up both giving, giving something decent about New Hampshire, but uh, yeah, no sales tax. That's definitely no sales tax tax and liquor outlets. Like that's, it got that going for you. <laughs> There it is. Yeah. What is the best city you've traveled to, whether for work or recreation? Give me your favorite. Best city I've traveled. Wow. Um, that's a good question. In, in light of the speed route, I'll go with the first one that came New York. Uh, I'll go with the first one that came to mind. But I grew up, a, I, you know, I can't say this, I guess, on a podcast. I grew up a, a Red Sox fan. And uh, so obviously, you know, Boston, it's, close to Vermont. It's kind of where you, where, for some reason we travel to Boston way more than New York, I think, mm-hmm. at least most Vermonters I've talked to. Yeah. Um, Boston drives me crazy with just having to drive through it and it makes no sense. Um, and I, I love, I love being outside New York and, you know, every time we, we travel there for, for baseball, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make sure to do a, a jog over, you know, Brooklyn bridge. And um, I, I just, I really enjoy being there. It's kind of a city that never sleeps and it's just, it's, it's a fun place to be. It say. is a polar opposite from Vermont. Like Boston, <laughs> Boston still like you got that, like the new England vibe. So you kind of like, you kind of get it. But when you go to New York city after growing up in, in Northern Vermont, it is so polar opposite. I, I agree with you. New York city is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal place to visit. I don't know if I'd ever want to live there, but a phenomenal place to visit. So much fun. So much fun. Um, what's your favorite ballpark that you've been to? Favorite and yes, minor league, minor league parks totally count. Cause I feel like those are some of the best places you can go. <laughs> there are so much character. Eggs, that's for sure. That's for sure. Um, wow, that's tough. Mm. I mean, I could go the hometown route and say, you know, it's, it's the good old centennial field, you it's know, lame. the Vermont Lake it's Monsters, lame. but that it's is, lame. it's the, to it's be honest, decent, it's the emotional. Yeah. If you, if you grew up in the area though, you have an emotional response to that place. So it's, it's, it's good stuff, but <laughs> I would say the the coolest part, oh, coolest part. I really liked Miami, uh, and the problem is, is there's just there's very few fans, so it doesn't really have the the environment. But from a ballpark standpoint, it's a pretty sweet looking park. It's legit. That's legit. <laughs> um, this is I have two favorites that I ask everyone on this pod now, um, and you're a Vermonter, so I'm expecting a decent answer on this. Power rank your top three Ben and Jerry's flavors. Top three. I'd say Tonight Doe, Jimmy Ooh. Fallon. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Cherry Garcia. That's just got to be a sh- I have to say that because it's Jesse. Yep. Uh, and then the third one probably is the tough one, but it'd have to be, I don't know the specifics on it, but it's got to be one of those ones with the with the core in the middle that's just okay. a heart attack and a pint. You know? and, um, I'd say I'd, probably the one with caramel with the core. would probably. That's legit. That's legit. It's a good answer. Where do you stand on marshmallow and ice cream? Marshmallow and ice cream, that's, 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 a prob- that's a no for me. I love that. See, I'm a fish food guy, but you start getting these like weird nuances. People be like, oh, marshmallow and ice cream. Oh, my God. Ugh. Second question here. That's not the second question, but another question. Where do we stand on fruit and donuts? Fruit and donuts? Like jelly filled, like a raspberry filled. Are you like, where do you stand on donuts? One, whole or filled, and then... Talk to me about the filling. If you're a filled donut guy, fruit? Question mark. 
well, as gross as it is, the, the, the first thing that came to mind was you don't shit where you eat. And so to me, putting fruit in a donut, you know, you're, you're looking to party on the donut. And then, you know, I don't know if you're trying to save face unless it's, I don't know. That's, I've never had a donut, I think, with, with legitimate fruit. If we're talking like. Like a, a jelly-filled filling. donut? Like a jelly-filled donut? I mean, if we're talking that as fruit, then, that's you know, that's fruit? a whole nother that's a whole nother ball game. I think. Yeah, I'm not talking like whole blueberries inside of a donut, but like a raspberry filled donut. Oh, okay. And that's, I'd, I'd be okay with that one. I'd say, you know, that'd be a seven out of 10, pretty neutral, I guess. You know, there's better places <laughs> pretty, to go. You're like, dude, just don't, you had me a donut. <laughs> 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 and now give me the Halloween candy rankings. This is the second, this is my second go-to ice. It's always ice cream, Ben and Jerry specifically. And if people tell you, if anyone ever tells you they don't eat Ben and Jerry's shadow, Eric Mitchell, they're an alien and you should immediately question that person uh, or take them immediately to Ben and Jerry's and be like, power rank these ice creams right now. Um, give me the Halloween candy rankings. What do we got? Halloween candy. That's a, well, that's a it's, it's, it's interesting. It's only been a couple of years since I trick or treated. It's nostalgic. But, uh, <laughs> it's pure nostalgia. Uh, I, I mean, Tootsie Rolls come to mind. Planet Fitness almost ruined them for me, but uh, I, I was a big fan of Tootsie Rolls. Um, Man, what else would there be? Reese's peanut butter cups. Uh, if it Solid. wasn't like a warm fall night, you know, then it'd be in some trouble there. Wow. Look at uh, with the articulate setting the setting <laughs> in the background of warm fall night. I yeah, love, and I'd, I love I'd say the third one, the third one I would say would, would have to be Smarties. Just a, just a shout out to my dad, you know, growing up. And wow. A, are yeah, you like a hard a candy? One. Like talk to me hard candy. Like, are you a hard candy guy? Or are you like a chocolate guy? rarely you know i don't I don't like crunchy things uh hard candy no but uh something you know i, I wouldn't even say smarties are hard candy you know they kind of they, they go pretty quick but uh yeah i'm, pr- I'm pretty out on the hard candy route yeah, the best well part a- the best part of asking like you get fitness professionals and, and you know like strength coaches health professionals, whatever you want to call us on a podcast and then i immediately start asking them about food and people and, and it's so funny like some of the most articulate and well thought out answers and responses to questions on this podcast are like the halloween candy the ben and jerry's <laughs> flavors like if you start asking like if um you know if someone's like traveled a lot you're like so talking about like the pizza in italy like pizza pretty good you're from new york city talk about this pizza and like the the, the answers are so like just finite and specific they're almost better than the actual like content of the, of the podcast itself. It's, it cracks me up when you get fitness professionals talking about food because they're such foodies at heart. It's so good. It's so good. So true. It's, 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 I'm not going to say it's like embarrassing, but I feel like anyone who listens to this pod, that's not, not in the fitness industry is like, what's up with this guy? And like, always ask about ice cream. Like, aren't they supposed to like help people be healthy? And like, no, you can eat your ice cream too. Don't you worry about it. You can eat your ice cream. (laughs) <laughs> train hard eat heavy uh kevin kyle give me your best slash favorite vermont beer best slash favorite. in honor of it, black flannel brewery coming up tonight true that's true. gonna be a big give one it. Uh, lay it on me is even if it's a type you don't necessarily give me like a uh like a specific beer if you have it great but even if it's just a type of beer that you enjoy we were just talking about this i think last week or two yeah, we a couple were. weeks ago I'm not an IPA guy and I can't believe, you know, I'm okay. going to come out and say it and That's people okay. are going to blow me up. You know, whoever, whoever has the blessing of listening to this, that, that know me personally. Are All 62 followers. Yeah. Brutal, right. Uh, I'm not an IPA guy. Uh, local Vermont beer. Whew. Um, that's tough. I'd probably have something from a, I'd probably have a stout 
nothing specifically from Burlington Beer Company. Wow. I would probably, I'd probably say would be the leader in the clubhouse, right? Rock now. solid. Shout out Burlington Beer. Next door neighbors. That's Open old. Wow. It. You live over that way? No, they're the outer back door. Oh, that works. Literally, that's, outer that's back true. door is Burlington Beer. Yeah. Wow. That's it's convenient. Man. It's convenient. They're not serving food right now, but Hidden Gem, Burlington Beer's food, you could make the case better than their beer. Definitely a sleeper pick there. That's yeah. True. Korean beef tacos. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Great stuff. Uh, Great Kevin Guild, I appreciate you making time coming on the pod on a Thursday afternoon. We'll do this again. This is going to happen again. I can't believe it took 70-something episodes before I even got you on, but uh, we're doing this again. I appreciate you coming on. I truly appreciate the time. It's been, it's been fun as heck, to be honest.